Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. And as always, we are, as our goal, to uh, promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and empower you, the listeners, all our listening audience, everybody who tunes in every week, empower you to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And of course, as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey ways to do that. The best way, of course, is always if you want to call, uh, you want to get your thoughts in, uh, on live, on the air, that's the best way to do it. Call 347-237-5230. That's that number to call if you want to get on the air. Or you can uh, send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Join us on the Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, check out the blog on LorenzoTNeal.com. However you want to do it, we're here. We're there. PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Uh, and we're up again. We're 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 exploding. We're trying to do a little bit more to um to uh, I guess up the ante. I <laughs> however you want to call it today. But um, we're glad that you're joining. And as always, um, we got another great show, another great guest that we uh, we have, and we're looking forward to our guest uh, on the show, Ms. Ayana Ilan, who is a talented writer, author, publisher, minister of the gospel, uh, and a wonderful woman of God. And she'll be joining us later on in the broadcast. Uh, but before we get any further and jump ahead of ourselves, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you. We praise you. We, we bless you for your good mercies toward us. As we do another show, be with us, stand by us, be honored and glorified, and let your people be edified. It's our prayer. Amen. Ah, so, happy Wednesday. Today is Juneteenth. It is June 19th, and uh, we commonly refer to that as Juneteenth. Um, And usually on the weekends, uh, 
on some day there's a lot of celebrations going on. If you're not familiar with Juneteenth, a uh, little bit about about it is that June eighteenth uh, and nineteenth of nine of eighteen sixty five is the day, or is uh, has been recorded as the day that the slaves in Texas received notice of their liberation, of their freedom, of their emancipation. Uh, on this day in uh, Galveston, Texas, a Union general uh, by the name of, uh, what's his name, Gordon, I think it was. Gordon marched into Galveston, Texas, and from a balcony read the words of the Emancipation Proclamation and then proclaimed to the people, to the slaves, that they were free. On this day in Texas, they were declared free. Um, that was in 1865. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation was actually issued. It was written in September 18, uh, 1862 and went into effect uh, 150 years ago, uh, January, January 1st, 1863. So you think about that. From 1862 to 1865, these people by law were free but were still slaves because of the Confederate stronghold, and they didn't realize it. And uh, so, so the general marched, marches in and proclaims freedom to the slaves and says, "You are free." And he says to them, uh, I, and part of the proclamation, what he says is that don't collect yourselves at military base. In other words, don't act crazy. You know, don't go, don't go trying to <laughs> go to a southern Confederate base and, and whoop up on people. And the second thing he said is. Uh, you stay. Uh, one of the second things he says is stay on your master's land, and instead of working for free, you'll be working for pay. Now, you, of course, we know that wasn't enforced for a long time. You know, they was they were working for pay, or you know, their pay was the house that they lived in, whatever. But now they were actually supposed to re- receive decent wages, and some did, some didn't, some left, some didn't. Um, and, and of course, the uh, the last thing he said is. Uh, you also will not be paid for being idle. <laughs> so what he was basically saying is just because you're not a slave anymore doesn't mean that you don't have to work. Wow, that was you know that's my interpretation of that. I may be way off, but you know, from reading what it, the, he said, you know, that's just me. So we celebrated we're celebrating this day and um on the weekend, there you know may have been some parades. There may be some parades today. What's interesting about Juneteenth to me? What's interesting is that uh, today, forty-two states recognize it as a state holiday. Forty-two states, and all of the Confederate states, every single one recognizes it as a state holiday. And that's interesting, you know, because. You know, when we think of when we think of slavery, of course, the southern states come to mind, and and we think about civil rights. Of course, the southern states come to mind, and you think about all the atrocities that blacks had to endure between those 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 uh, that time. And even though it's 150 years later since we've been emancipated, since uh, blacks historically have been emancipated, think about. It was. It took a hundred, literally, just about a hundred more years uh, before they uh, enforced uh, 
federally. Uh, they tried it during Reconstruction, and once the Northerners moved out of the South, they went right back into that that maintain. You know, Jim Crow kicked in right after the Southerners moved out. I mean, out in the Northern, the carpetbaggers, the Yankees, when they moved out, uh, Jim Crow took effect. And nearly a hundred years after that, uh, you know, before civil rights was in, uh, federally was enforced, and you're thinking about since then. The, the plight of uh, African Americans has has changed dramatically. We're no longer struggling for civil recognition, federal recognition. We got that. Matter of fact, you know, <laughs> some will claim that you know we we have arrived because of Barack Obama. And think about all the others, you know, Holder and uh, um, uh, Cindy Rice, Condoleezza Rice, uh, Condi Rice, all those guys, you know. Uh, who have come to the forefront of American society in some capacity. And think about Oprah and think about um, all these people who who in some way or another have achieved what was the promise of civil rights. And so today we acknowledge that. And it's, it's a bittersweet, it's a bittersweet kind of, kind of thing because, again, you know, I don't, I'm one who says we have not arrived. You can't convince me of that. Uh, I believe the, sh- the struggle has shifted to another front. You know, um, the callousness of our race now is at the far fr- forefront. In other words, what we achieved during that those moments of civil rights has been replaced by reluctance to do anything. Uh, uh, I, 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 young people. I don't want to say it, but, you know, they don't have the desire as much to achieve and those who achieve. I'll give you an example. Last week, uh, last month when President Obama gave the commencement address at Morehouse College, as he was giving the address, one of his remarks was that you have to do more. You have to prove more, you know, and uh, he was addressing that to uh, a body of young black men. And while there is some truth in fact in that, the problem is that he wouldn't have said that at uh he didn't say that at a women's college when he gave the commencement speech. He did not say that at he has not said that at other predominantly white colleges. So uh, again, it gives uh, an overwhelming sense of disadvantage, uh, um, underachievement, and so forth and so on that may not be true. Uh, and it play you know the plight. For me, from my perspective, you know, I live in the hood. I see it. I, I I get distressed because I see a lot of the young people who literally think that they just don't have to do anything. Uh, they'll settle for going to a, uh, for example, they'll settle going to a uh, technical school instead of going to a four-year college or even trying to get into a four-year college. The ones who who do get into a four-year college. Um, the distractions are greater than they were when I was <laughs> in college, by far. And and, and so the uh, the the rate, the dropout rate, particularly among blacks in the South, is still at, uh, at high. It's very high. It's, it's not as high as sixty and seventy percent as it was uh, a couple of decades ago, um, but it's still fairly high, particularly black uh, among young black males. Still fairly high, you know. Their sense of uh, achievement is low. But I, you know, I, I think on this day we should do something positive and empowering 
for our people, uh, and not just blacks, but as a humanity, as human, we, humanity, we should do something empowering for our people so that um, we all attain the freedom that is necessary to uh, to live a blessed and prosperous life. So we get there. We get there. So, uh, I just want to share a couple of things. I, I, I'm a pastor. And if you didn't know that, you know, there are a lot of people who use this title pastor just to use it, just to say that they're pastor. But I'm a, I'm a pastor. That is my vocation. It's my full-time vocation. It's my occupation, my training, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I I um I get a little I, I get a little uh, upset when I when I see those in the office of pastor or, or the vocational pastor or the role of pastor take advantage of people. It, it disturbs me. It, it really disturbs me. So my my question I was I was asked by someone how much would you do for your pastor they they're attending a church the uh uh this <laughs> good friends of mine a couple attending a church and and the pastor made a solicitation that it's a mega church in the Houston area the pastor made a solicitation about uh a particular need so let me let me get off me okay. Let's say your pastor has a helicopter, a plane, or a luxury vehicle. Uh, do you think you're entitled as a a member to to support the maintenance and upkeep of that? I, now, the reason I'm asking that, I'm getting to this. I, I'm I'm getting to it. And the reason I'm asking that because I'm seeing a, a large amount of wannabes. When I say wannabes, you know they they see the success of T.D. Jakes and all these other uh, Creflo Dollar and all, all these other prominent uh, televangelists, when whatever you want to call them, mega church pastors, they see the they see this, and they may have it on a small level. Let's say you have a pastor who has a congregation of about nine hundred, maybe a thousand members. And to some people, that's a mega church. To me, that's a mega church. You know. I'm settling with my nice little congregation. I do well. They do well, and we meet our obligations. So I'm excited. I, you know, I I love my people, uh, and they provide me with a nice package. You know, a nice package so I can live comfortably, and uh, because I have to travel, do all the things I need to do. I had a situation just recently where I had it. I had to come to the church to, you know, for some assistance. And it really wasn't assistance, you know. Uh, they're liberal when it comes to me. They, whenever it is something that's directly impacting what I need to do in my capacity as pastor of the church, you know, they're very gracious. So uh, there are two two pastors that I was reading about, and one who is a, a pretty prominent, I guess you can say, uh, another one not so prominent. Uh, but uh, uh, one, Dr. Mark Barclay. He's up in Midwest, and I think he's affiliated with um, Kenneth Copeland and those guys. And the other, uh, Bishop Ivy Hilliard, out of uh, Houston, Texas, and he's his own. He's his own person. He's his own. I, 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 he's he has his own category uh, when it comes to these preachers, uh, prosperity preachers. He has his own category. All right. So these two men have sent out solicitations to their supporters. 
And there's nothing wrong with sending out solicitations to your supporters because you know, a ministry has to be supported in some capacity. And, uh, you know, it's not it's not unwise to send out regular updates of what's going on. But both of these guys just this month sent out uh, their ministry updates. And here's the first one with uh, Dr. Mark Barclay. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you so you can, <laughs> you can get a laugh like me. Um, Dr. Mark Barclay, who, um, I don't know what the name of the church, but anyway, um, Dr. Mark Barclay sent out a letter asking members to cover the $79,000 price to repaint his plane, to repaint his Citation 3 jet. He asked for... He said, I know that, the, and in this letter he says, you know, he uses the scripture, lay down up for yourselves, treasures on the earth, with moth and rust, dust corrupt, and you know the scripture in, in Matthew, uh, Matthew six nineteen. He uses that scripture, and and using that scripture, he is soliciting their assistance. In the letter now, he says that, um, he says, we're forced to make one two decisions. We can spot paint the aircraft, which is about one-third of painting the entire, you know, just patch it up. Or we can paint the entire thing for the $79,000. And, uh, you know, we won't have to ever do it again. You know, we'll be fine. Now, <laughs> he goes on to say, uh, if we don't paint the entire aircraft, it would be a risk for ongoing corrosion issues. So he mentioned, he said, we got to do it because if we don't, you know, it, it's going to rust. And it's only $79,000. And this is what he really says. Uh, this is what gets me. He says, he says that um, if 80 people, ministries or companies sold $1,000, it would be taken care of. Some of you are capable of doing that. I understand. Some are capable of doing more. Uh, as you are led by the Spirit, I believe we will get it taken care of. <laughs> really? Really? You are asking people for $79,000 to paint, repaint your jet. Really? Okay. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm like, okay. I I, I guess I, I'm too small-minded of a of a person. I don't think that much. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think about repainting. I, you know, I don't even want to ask my church to, to give me – well, I already know, you know, I'm Methodist. <laughs> if I go to ask them for anything regarding my car <laughs> – no, I'm just kidding. They're not that stiff, but I've been in some churches where you know they ain't gonna do nothing for you, nothing. So I, he produces this letter, and you know I'm, I'm quite sure some people will actually sow that seed, sow that seed to help him get his pain, his plane painted. So you know, I, and I, I, I thought that was bad. I, I thought that was bad. I, I really did. I was like, okay, you know. I'm a struggling pastor, and when I say struggling, you know, I don't make millions or thousands, or hundreds of thousands, or whatever. I'm, you know, my church makes sure that, like I say, you know, I have what I need when I need it. Uh, but this next preacher, Bishop Hilliard, I used to admire him. I, I'm going to say I really did. I, I admired him. I mean, because he he was a teacher, you know, and, and me being, I, I liked. Teaching, I, I I can enjoy the hoop, but I like the teaching. But he, when he started talking about money too much, you know, I kind of left him alone. Not that I, maybe I was a little bit envious. I don't know. But anyway, so Bishop Hilliard, 
has sown a seed. Well, not sown a seed. He is asking his supporters to sow a seed. Why? Well, this is where he put it. These are his words. He says that uh, says that um, um, he was informed by his aviation ministry. I, you know, yeah, it's one thing to have an aviation department. Uh, uh, I, really, really, an aviation department in your church, a whole, you know, they get paid for it. But let me stop. I'm trying not to ramble. So he sends his. He sends his supporters this letter, and this is how the letter reads. This is where it starts off. Dear friends in Jesus, do you need better transportation? Does your car need repair or total replacement? Do you have a dream vehicle, a luxury automobile you long to purchase? Are you trying to sell a car, sell a vehicle? And If you answer yes to any of these Please carefully read the rest of this letter. It could change your life. It's one of the most powerful game-changing principles in Scripture. And he said he'll be teaching on it. And he talks about, of course, sowing and um, uh, whatever you need, you know, just sow a seed. So this is what he says. This is the third paragraph. It says, we have an urgent transportation need that the Lord said can be an out. That the Lord said that the Lord said that the Lord said could be an opportunity for you. To see his favor and king and, and wisdom release. And, and he goes on again, throws out another scripture, and a couple of scriptures. He says this, our aviation department has an opportunity. Now, this is well-crafted. This is well, well-crafted letter. Our aviation department has an opportunity to, that will save the ministry well over $50,000 if we move on it right away. My aviation manager stated uh, while repairing while repairing our helicopter, they discovered that if we upgrade upgrade our blades today, it will save thousands in the days to come. How about getting rid of the helicopter? How about saving that $50,000 to repair? I mean, if you're going to save the ministry well over $50,000 to repair, upgrade the blades on your, on, your, on your helicopter, how about saving the ministry more than $50,000 by getting rid of the helicopter altogether? What do you need a helicopter for? Yeah, you travel. Yeah, travel. Travel like everybody else does. You know, I'd rather you fly first class in an airplane than own your own plane. Oh, I know you want to own your own plane because you want to get there and get back to your own when you want to be on anybody else's terms. I, I guess I can understand that. But if you got a plane and a helicopter, how about saving your ministry? How about saving the ministry? Somebody. And, and here's the other thing. This is what I. This is what got me. The lead into the letter is the question. You know, if you answered yes to, you need your car repair. You want a luxury vehicle, then give money. What sense does that make? If you need your car repair, how is sewing us? How is giving money toward putting new blades on a helicopter gonna put money in your pocket to get your car repaired? I, that doesn't. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's y'all. Y'all have to help me out. Really, really help me out. It. it I just don't get it. I really just don't get it. it. To me, it's a bunch of baloney. You're a pastor. You're supposed to have the people's heart at your 
at the center of everything you do. You're supposed to be considerate. Uh, you're supposed to be, you know, as Paul Paul said, he, you know, he knew what to be, what state to be in, whether to be content, whatever state he was in, to be content. He knew that God would supply all his needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He knew all of that. So, if you are, if you know all of this, why would you do? Why would you try to scam people out of their money? And then he goes on to say this in his letter. Listen, he says, as I pondered and looked at the situation, I heard that still small voice of the Holy Spirit say, tell your special partners who have special transportation needs and their obedience will release favor for their needs and desires. What I, I that's painful and grieving to me. It's grieving to me that you're going to prey on people that have special transportation needs already. And if they're praying to God for special, you know, they ain't got the money to get the car repaired and they're believing God for faith. I, I, let, let me put it this way. I believe in giving. I'm a proponent of giving. I know God meets needs supernaturally. I'm, I'm a, I believe in God for something right now that I have an immediate need for. Immediate need for. I mean, I mean an immediate need. That if God doesn't move, I don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, I, Well, I do know how it's going to turn out. It's not going to be favorable if he doesn't move. Now, I, I give, I tithe, I do all of that. Okay? But I would never, ever... Pray on people who are struggling fiscally, struggling, struggling financially, to help me get something I really don't need. I was at a church when I was in college, and and uh, the pastor of this church it was a wonderful church. You know, it was it was the it was the go to church in Little Rock, Arkansas at the time, and the pastor decided that he wanted to live in a uh, a mansion, uh, not just any old mansion, you know. Uh, he didn't just want to live in a big house. He wanted to live in a million-dollar house. Yeah, yeah, you heard me, a million-dollar house. So how was he going to get his million-dollar house? Simple. He was going to get the people of his church to help him. And what did he do? He presented it to the people, say, I want this house. Y'all help me raise money to get it. Uh, they raised $100,000 for the down payment. And, of course, they paid, you know, when he got in it, they celebrated. They shouted, my pastor's living in a million-dollar house, but I'll never get a chance to go to it. Um, anyway, I, I've rambled on too much. It, it just hurts my heart. It just hurts my heart to, to see all of that. Uh, pastors and, and preachers taking advantage. And, and you know, now you I'm not saying when pastors have legitimate needs, legitimate needs that they should not solicit the, the help of their their members, you know. That that that's that's the that that's only fair, you know, especially if they are living uh the scripture Paul writes that you don't muzzle the ox. You don't muzzle the ox. You don't you know, you give to them what's needed. Yeah, you know, so uh if like myself, you know, I live comfortable. And the house that's provided for me now, uh, but I'm not gonna say, well, I, I, I like the house that you get that I'm living in, but the Lord showed me that I could have a bigger house, and 
I need you to help me get the bigger house that I desire because the Lord said I can have it. That's 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 just wrong. But I digress. So let me hear your thoughts on that if you want to. Send it on the chat line, uh, send it an email, send it on the page, however you want to do it. Let me hear your thoughts. But we're going to take a break because I've gone on for a while. <laughs> I've gone on for a while, and I, I, I guess I need to take a break, get my head together. But when we come back from the break, from the break, we'll be joined by a very special guest, uh, Miss Ayana Elan, uh, gifted writer, uh, minister of the gospel, publisher of God Works magazine. She'll be sharing with us a little bit about her life, her testimony, and her new book titled "Almost a Preacher's Wife." So when we come back from this break, that's who we'll be hearing from. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, be sure to share that with us. We'll be right back after this. Whatever you want to do, just a 
uh, you know, just because. You know, it's summertime. Celebrate summertime. Give them baseball. Uh, you know, if you, you want, get them some for the finals, the last game of the finals. Whatever you want to do. Go to Sherry's Berries today. Check them out. See what they got. And get your special significant other, your loved one, your friend, your homeboy, your homegirl. Just get them something special from Sherry's Berries. You can find out, you know, simply call 877-BERRIES. Or go to their website, www.berries.com. Click on the radio ad. Let them know that you heard it here on Zero Today. You might get a nice little discount. So check them out. Z- uh, la, la. Sherry's Berries. You, you like it. I like it. You like it. Dad. Listen, we're going to go broke unless we figure out a way to divvy up the oh, shared Dad. data plan fairly. So uh, whoever's fathered the most children gets the most data. Let's just do it by hair. Body hair? Most dental work. What? Stop downloading and stop liking everything. It should be by who has the least amount of cartilage in their left knee. Just want to take a bath. Say no to sharing. Say yes to Sprint with truly unlimited data, text, and calling. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh. Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Welcome back to Zero Today again. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm excited about the guests we have this morning. I'm joined by a friend, sister, homegirl, Miss Ayana Ilan. Ayana, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, just had to make sure. And um, Ayana is not only she's an author, not only she's a magazine publisher, but she's also a minister of the gospel. And uh, she recently rece- uh, released her new book. Uh, on Kindle, titled Almost a Preacher's Wife. So, good morning, Ayana. Good morning. I'm glad that you're on the show this morning. Uh, um, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I've been trying to get you on for a while. <laughs> yes, I know. And uh, I am just so glad that uh, that you are here. So, uh, for my listening audience, I uh, uh, I want you, if you don't mind, to just tell my audience a little bit about yourself, um, and we'll get into that, get into more. But you know, just give them a little bit background about you and how you got to where you are. Okay, uh, I'm a Southern girl. I grew up in Monroe, Louisiana. I'm the oldest, oldest of four. I actually have four sons myself, aging from 19 to 10. I currently live in Atlanta. I came here recently so that I could move forward in ministry. In the past, I worked under Elon Ministries. Um, however, with where God is leading me, I was led to start God Works Ministries instead. I am a writer. Oftentimes, I am transparent in the messages I share. A lot of people are connected with me on Facebook, 
Um, they they get the messages um, through my posts, and I am sometimes confronted, you know, by people because I am so open. Sometimes people say I share too much. Sometimes people tell me to share more of myself, and they tell me how they have been blessed by the things I share with them. Um, I've always been pretty much open with my life. So, but now I'm at a point where I can share more and be more transparent than I was before. And now, transparency for for my my audience, for those who are listening, uh, if you're not, a, I, I'm a, I'm your Facebook friend. I've been a Facebook friend for a while. You know, of course, you know. Right. I've, I've been following you. Um, all 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 the things that you're blessed. And you you do share quite a bit of your personal life on Facebook, yeah. and and um, I know that that troubles some people, but it, it has led up to to it leads up it leads up to your book, and we'll get to your book in just a moment. But okay, um, you you know why are you so personal? Why what's the purpose of being so open and transparent? Uh, at least on on a on a public uh, social network such as Facebook. Okay. Initially, I said I've always been open, but I've in, in, away from online, I haven't always been open. Uh, me being open started um, some years ago when I was on MySpace, and um, it was after I had had an abortion, and God was dealing with me um, about sharing that story, the testimony with others. Um when I had the abortion, um, I was uneducated on the different types of abortion and the effect they would have on me after I had the abortion. So God was leading me to share that with others. Initially, I did not want to because I felt people would judge me. But as I, I continued to pray and ask him to lead me uh, and guide me to do the things he needs me to do, um, I was you know, covered from anything that people would say negatively about me. So um, I used to be, you know, depressed a lot, and I, I used to want some type of encouragement. I was going through some things, and I just didn't have that. Um, my mom, uh, while we have a great relationship now, when I was growing up, I wasn't really able to talk to her. So a lot of the things I was dealing with, I dealt with alone which, you know, kept me in, in a place where I was always struggling to maintain, um, you know, mentally. And so um, with me sharing the things I do now is just to encourage people, you know, so that they can learn from the things I've gone through so that they will, you know, try try not to make the same mistakes. And I post a lot of inspirational messages because I know a lot of times I go through and I just, at times, I want, you know, inspiration. So me sharing what I do share is sometimes my way of dealing with situations I'm dealing with in my personal life, while at the same time uplifting others. Okay. Now, now let, let's 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 deal with this. Uh, your your book, Almost Preacher's Wife, is a it's mm-hmm. a very good read, and it, it's really. Uh, it, Reading for me, it was really like an intimate portrait of what you had experienced um, thus far in, in your, your romantic life. Um, 
tell us what led you to begin to write that book, this your your story about almost being a preacher's wife, and, and and share what it means, what you mean by almost a preacher's wife. Oh wow! Initially, when I got the name for the book, I didn't really understand. Um, I was actually in a relationship with um, a you know a pastor. Um, I didn't understand why God would give me the title "Almost the Preacher's Wife." So initially, I was thinking that it was the title of the book, you know, preparing, showing people I was being prepared for that position, be preacher's wife. But as time went on um, during our relationship, things were being revealed, and it led me to um, to know, you know, that it, that wasn't going to be the case. And so when I say almost, it almost happened because, you know, we did talk about marriage. He did propose to me. And it was something that I thought we would move forward in. But as like I said, as time went by, things were being revealed. It didn't work. And so me sharing that story um, is just to give that particular part of the story is to show people what actually happened between us so that they could learn um, where we were in error. Because he is, you know, he, you know, he is a pastor. And I've had a, um, a few dealings with some pastors. Um, I've not always had great experiences with them. And so um, that was just my way of shedding some light on my experiences with men of status. And, and you, in your book, you, you mentioned um, you, you, you have a chapter that talks about a pastor's appreciation. Uh, tell me about that. Uh, tell my audience about that 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 particular chapter in the book, um, if you don't mind. Okay, um, that particular chapter was about. It was dealing with a pastor. Um, I actually met him online, and um, we had began to um, speak about being with each other. Um, sexually, we had planned to uh, meet up, and while initially I was all for it, um, God was dealing with me um, with the even just the thought of doing it because of both our positions. Um, as time you know continued to pass, I began to feel real guilty about doing it. And so I mentioned to him that I was going to, um, you know, pray about it, and I prayed that God would strengthen us in that area. He got upset and blew up about it, and I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand it um, because I was thinking that with me saying um, I was hoping that we would be strengthened, that would make him happy, you know, me saying that I hope that God strengthened us in that area so that we could wait. So that's not what he wanted to hear. Wow, that, that that's, that, you know, it's a sad story. As, as a single pastor, I I, I cannot dispute. <laughs> I, I've been there before. You know, I've been on both ends. Uh, um, and how did that affect you, your view of uh, of him? In, in that capacity, and how did that uh, how did that affect your view of ministry and your role in ministry 
after that? Um, initially, I was hurt. I was saddened by it because I, I really, I really liked him. Uh, I, I had actually known him for some time. Um, we had actually planned to be together one time before that, but it was me who changed my mind at that time also. Um, with him acting the way he did after I told him I did not want to, it it confused me. I was really confused uh, about his um, decision to act out in the way that he did. He was very angry. Um, we didn't really talk about it. Uh, over the phone much. It was more uh, online uh, messages that was that were being sent back and forth between us. But he made it clear that he was not pleased with my decision. Um, I understand in ministry that um, pastors are presented with a lot of temptation. temptation. Um, I must say that I won't put you know, blame on him because I was a very active participant in those conversations and the planning. Um, But, you know, like I said, I was confused. I didn't understand it. As far as my view uh, with me in ministry now, um, I understand everybody, they have their own um, things they deal with. Everybody's thing isn't going to be sex. Everybody isn't um, going to struggle with that. It was just something that I feel was his struggle. And so I don't, I'm not upset with him, you know, now. I don't even think I was upset then. Like I said, I was more confused um, than anything about his response. Um, as far as me, it, it showed me where I needed to be strengthened in. Because even at that time, even though I wasn't um, very active in ministry, I had taken on the role um, to do ministry. And so I know people watch my life. And so it just, that too showed me areas that I need to work on and be strengthened in. All right. And 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 after him, you know, after that relationship ended, you ended up meet, meeting another preacher. Is that right? Well, actually, to be honest, I was never in a relationship with that particular pastor. Oh, okay. We had we weren't in a relationship. It was just uh, he and I were just talking, and it was something that we were just we were attracted attracted to one another. And I mean, I'm just being honest. That's what it was, and um, it was just going to be sex. But being that I wanted more, you know, that's why I was saying that I was hoping God would strengthen us in that area so we could wait. I had marriage on my mind, but being that um, he never, he was never asking me anything personal. You know how you talk to someone to try to get to know them on a yeah. more personal level. It was never yeah. that, you know. So he didn't have marriage on his mind. He wanted sex, and that was very clear, and that was it. So I don't regret at this point, um, you know, moving on from that. He's a very handsome pastor, and it was. Um, Actually, I'm I'm actually glad that I did not move forward in doing that because I just feel like I would have uh, put myself in a position that I didn't want to truly be in with him. Yeah. So. So, uh, uh, you you shared that you, uh, you you eventually met a 
a, a man of God that you fell in love with and thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with and you got engaged. Tell us about that part of the book. And, and we're going to end this segment, and, and then after we you know wrap up this segment, we'll talk a little bit more about God Works and um, some other things you have. Okay, could you repeat that? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry? I didn't hear what you wanted me to speak on. I'm sorry. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I was mumbling. Okay. Uh, uh, tell us about the, your next relationship, your, your, the one you were engaged uh, the, engaged to uh, that uh, kind of leads into the, uh, I guess, the climax for this book. Okay, you're talking about almost the previous wife, correct? Because I have two yes, books. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, my relationship with... JT, um, it was it was very interesting. Um, it was during a time when I was still I'm like, I'm still born right now, but it was during a time when um, I think I was very vulnerable, and I believe that um, at some point he saw that, and I began to feel like I was taken advantage of um, when he initially con- contacted me and we connected, it was more so about um, what I was doing ministry-wise. And then I have some things that I have vision for um, as far as TV, films, and, you know, books and stuff goes. I think that with him having the same vision, um, a, a similar vision, he saw that as a an open door for him, you know, thinking that I could help push him and what he had going on up more. Um, things, you know, like I said, I, I don't really want to go into everything about what was being revealed. I did um, touch on some of the things inside the book, but there were just some things that I... Hello? Uh, seems like we may have lost the connection. I'll tell you what, we'll take a quick break and see if uh, we can get this resolved. Uh, it's always something. It is always something when it comes to this. So, be back right after this. My friends, if you are having issues backing up your files, you know, if your computer crashes or you lose a jump drive or whatever it may be, I have a solution that might help you out. Consider Carbonite.com for all your backup needs. Protect your files with the better, the best backup plan. You can secure everything you do each and every time you get online, and you can do it reasonably priced. You don't have to worry about the prices. Matter of fact. Carbonite.com has some of the best things. You can you can relax and know that all of your uh, all of your files are safely encrypted and they're on Carbonite state of the art data centers and you don't have to worry about anything. It's, uh, you can't crack into them, and you can access your files from wherever, 
anywhere in the world, any computer, you can access it. And you can restore them to your computer if you think they're lost. If your computer crashes, you can restore them. And right, matter of fact, right now you can go to Carbonite and try it for free. You can get a 15-day trial for free. You don't have to use a credit card. You ain't got to do any of that. Simply log on to Carbonite.com, give them your information, type in and uh, try this free trial. I guarantee you enjoy it. And if you're satisfied with it, you'll find it is, is a low monthly, um, low cost a year. Not monthly, just a year. You can you can get all of it for your home and for your business. It's Carbonite.com for all your backup needs. I use it, and it's helped me quite a bit. And I'm sure you enjoyed using it also. That's Carbonite.com. Try it. You'll love it. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six figure income and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. I'm your husband, host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And we had experienced a little technical glitch. Uh, I think I, we have Ayana back on the, on the line. Ayana, are you back on the line? Yes, I'm here. All right, sorry about the, uh, the glitch. We're, we're glad we have it taken care of. Uh, before the break, before the glitch, uh, you, were, you were sharing with us about uh, uh, JT and uh, that. Uh, go ahead and continue that, if you don't mind, and, and then we'll segue into the other other couple of topics. Okay. Um, as I said, you know, um, there were things that were being revealed about um, my connection with him, and it, it ended. And so um, initially when I, when I was getting ready to publish the book <clears throat> and he learned how transparent I was going to be in the book, he tried to, well, he did persuade me, leave certain parts out of the book. And so 
in August I published a book. I made it available online so people could download it. Um, I wasn't comfortable with how I published it, being that that's not how I was led to publish it because it left out certain things that I felt people could learn from. Uh, He didn't want certain parts in the book because of his position, and he felt that um, with him being um, an apostle, actually, um, that people would start to look at him a certain way if they read the things that I put in the book. So, like I said, I published it as as it was, and uh, he tried to convince me that we would um, uh, write a book together that would encourage people in love and marriage. And in that particular book, we would share what I initially wanted to share in almost a preacher's wife. <clears throat> he told me that he wasn't as transparent as I which I did understand because I know my level of transparency is sometimes off the charts, I mean, compared to other people's level, um, with other people being um, more private than I. So um, that's basically what happened. And so after we, after I saw that, it was more like a setup. You know, he told me that we would write the book together only so I could go ahead and publish it the way um, that he wanted me to and leave those parts out. Um, but, in, you know, earlier this year, and I actually um, in April, I rewrote, well, actually I added the chapter, that chapter that were left out of the book. So I published almost the previous wife again this year, including the chapters that um, I felt would give people more insight on, you know, into what happened. Awesome. So you had you you guys were working on a couple of things. Uh, I, I remember one of the projects you had was love with with clothes on. Uh, tell a little bit about right. that. Okay, um, love with clothes on is a it's a faith based ministry. I found it last year. It actually started um, after I was given the vision when I was posting messages on Facebook to encourage others to practice celibacy. It is geared towards teens, but, of course, adults can take um, something from it as well. I understand the struggles teens have when they are presented with the opportunity to join the crowd, meaning if you see your friends and you know that they are having sex, of course, you know, you get curious and you want to follow the crowd. But sometimes following the crowd will lead, um, you know, will lead teens to a place of hurt, shame, regret, and fear. There are a great number of males and females who engage in sexual activities beginning in early in their lives because it, it was learned in the environment they grew up in. I myself became sexually active at the age of 14. So it is my hope that, you know, the messages were received by teens who need guidance and encouragement. I will actually be working um, on some courses in the fall for teens in the Atlanta area where I will I will mentor them and encourage them to practice celibacy and abstinence. All right. That that that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I think uh more churches need to get engaged in that. Um well, that's a whole different topic on abstinence. <laughs> I could get it too. Right. But I, I think it's a I think it's a wonderful wonderful opportunity and a wonderful well, not just opportunity, it's a necessity for us as people of color, uh, more so now than before. 
Um, so yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Now let's 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 move in while we have a few more minutes here and talk about your your magazine, God Works Magazines. Uh, God Works Magazine. Tell us about that and, and um, how people can get a, uh get access to it. Uh, the magazine was actually started um, in 2010. It was to be uh, a showcase uh, of showing other people, well, showing people, our readers, the works that people do that go unnoticed. Um, I just released an issue, It's the Love Issue, uh, and it shows a, a positive image of Christian love and marriage because um, there's not a lot of it now. And so it was my relationship actually with the person I'm dating now, Milk, uh, that inspired me to share that particular issue with people. And in that issue, Kevin and Satilia Bullard, they are the founders of Marriage Works. Um, They, along with 10 other couples, opened up their lives to share with us um, how they make their marriage work. And that particular issue is available online. Um, right now, they can go to the website at GodWorksMag.com, and they can subscribe to our mailing list, and they can get it in their inbox for free. Awesome. And uh, and, and GodWorksMag is an inspirational magazine. And I, I, and with topics such as marriage works, I think this is, is a way of empowering uh, people and, and I appreciate you for taking on that initiative to particularly with this uh in this uh heated environment of uh marriage. <laughs> um right. uh, I think that's a wonderful issue. And give the give give the uh the address one more time, the web address so they can again do that. Is GodWorksMag dot com all right, God works. Now we're about to wrap up. Uh, running out, of, running out of time here. So you have another book that's coming out, and um, mm-hmm. I, I really now this this one captured my attention uh, <laughs> uh, more so more so than uh, uh, almost the preacher's wife. But this mm. <laughs> new book coming out. Uh, what do you do? After the breakup, before the covenant, tell us about that. What what brought about that inspiration to write this book, and when will it be available? Okay, after the breakup, before covenant, is a book that will tell others what I am doing and what I have done to prepare for the role um, of becoming a godly wife. I will share the lessons I learned after a breakup and the things God revealed to me about myself that need to be worked on. I learned that I was acting out in a particular relationship very selfishly. Um, I also learned that the attitude I had was, you know, still there. Uh, I remember it being there, that that feisty <laughs> um, attitude, and I had the attitude uh, of I'm, I was so used to having everything my way. I want things my way, and so when I didn't get that, I acted out, and so some of those things that I thought were gone had begun to resurface. And so God began to show me things that I need to work on to be um, a better wife because once uh, I am married to the person I'm dating now, 
um, I want to be able to love him as I would like him to love me in return. Um, the way I, I acted out, even in this particular relationship, showed me that I still have some things I need to work on. Uh, there is um, some pruning that still needs to be done because I understand that he, as a man, uh, he does have, he has feelings too. I know a lot of times um, women, they, they're like, it's all about me. You know, a lot of us have that attitude, but men have feelings as well. And so um, I have to be more careful in the way that I present myself to him. Um, because a lot of times I've noticed that I haven't been such a lovable person. And so um, I need to get some things inside of me worked on before I'm even uh, put in that position to be his wife. That, that sounds like that's that's a great read, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that men have feelings too. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. We, right. You know, we've been taught how to suppress them and not express them, but we do. We We have feelings. Right. We get our feelings hurt. Uh, no. <laughs> sometimes more than women do, but hey. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just I'm glad to be able to share it. Well, I, I'm glad that you. I, I think that book is going to be an interesting read. And when will it be available? And how can uh, my listeners get a copy of it when it comes out? It will. Yeah, it will be available on the 30th of this month, the 30th of June. Um, they can purchase it at ayanaelon.com, or they can go to amazon.com and buy it. All right, that sounds like a plan. My guest has been Ayana Elon, author of a book titled Almost a Preacher's Wife, which is available now for download on Kindle uh, and any other ebook format that you may have. Uh, you can download that. It's an interesting read, very transparent read about her struggles. I, I guess I, no, that's probably not even a good word for it. Uh, but it's very interesting read, very personable read with a with a very uh, uh, wonderful young lady. And the uh, next book coming out uh, as soon as available uh, uh, after the breakup before the covenant. Two great books. She's also the publisher of God Works Magazine. Uh, Ayana Elan is a young woman who has God at her heart and ministry on her mind as she's moving forward. Ayana, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you, you being on the show. Me. And of course, you know, being that you're my homegirl. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's even right. better. But uh, just glad that you're here. And uh, tell the people if they want to get in touch with you. Um, I know you're on Facebook, uh, but if if, uh, if you have too many friends on Facebook, how can they get in touch with you? If they want to learn more about your book, learn more about you, or, you know, anything like that. Well, the best way um, to find out more about me is to go to my website, ayanaelon.com. They can also, like you said, reach me on Facebook. I do, uh, I have reached my Facebook friend limit. However, I can't accept subscribers. So, facebook.com forward slash Ayana Elon. All right. We've been talking with Ayana Elon, um, and I appreciate you again. And, um, Again, she's giving you the information. If you want to check it out, follow her, subscribe to her. You, I tell you, you'll be blessed. Uh, uh, this young lady is a wonderful young lady who is transparent 
as 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 a, as a person can be and you'll grow listening to her. But that's all the time that we have today for Zero Today. Again, I appreciate you uh, tuning in with us, and um, we will be con- uh, do our best to be back on air next week. <laughs> but until that time next week, the same time, we are going to be here, and we are glad that you're here with us, and we're going to go and call it a day. So everybody have a wonderful Wednesday. It's hump day. Get out and do something. It's Juneteenth. Do out and do something. You know, make the world a better place. All right, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal saying bye. Till next week. <laughs>